This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, Civilized Barking, Zach Jackson. It is Thursday, September the 3rd. Uh, we are about, as I record this, 50 hours from roster cut down. Um, just talk a little Browns here. want to catch you guys up on some things as far as how it's going to go procedurally, how it's going to go for us at The Athletic, um, you know, get to normalcy. A week from tonight, the NFL kicks off and all signs are go. As of a couple of days ago, there were only two players in the whole league on the COVID reserve list. Uh, you know, things have gone smoothly with that. Strange camp, strange times. But um, first, thanks for listening. Hope you're a subscriber to The Athletic. Hope you're following uh, The Athletic on Twitter and following me on Twitter at Akron Jackson. So starting next week, uh, we'll be at at least one, probably two podcasts per week. In addition to the coverage, I'll have Jason Lloyd back um, as we share thoughts and ideas and opinions. I'll be talking to uh, different writers um, from around the league. Uh, my buddy and colleague Jeff Jerebeck from the Ravens, who does an excellent job covering them. Um, you know, occasionally try to get a Browns player on via Zoom, however that's going to go. So uh, just wanted to take a few minutes here. Um, you know, catch everybody up on what I've seen, what I know. Um, it's a busy and important week internally for the Browns here as they, as they get close to, you know, officially shifting from preseason mode to regular season mode. It's a quiet week externally. And the primary reason, guys, is camp reporting is over. So for two weeks or two and a half weeks, whatever it was, we were there every day. Um, we were pretty much allowed to report everything we saw. Nothing we heard, which is fine, but everything we saw. You know, that ended on Sunday with the stadium practice. Uh, the Browns took their mandatory day off, and now it's lockdown mode, which means even if we go to practice, um, we're there, allowed there about 20 to 30 minutes, still from 70 to 100 yards away. Um, no tweeting, no reporting on anything we see, um, except for who's there. So there's no official injury report this week. I would just say this. The biggest difference here is, you know, in a normal preseason tonight, would have been the fourth preseason game, right? So normally this is the ramp down period for the starters. Uh, it's one last evaluation shot for all the young guys, even the ones that know they're not going to make the team on the first try because they're trying to get filmed for somebody else. They're trying to make an impression, you know, for the practice squad. And, and the older guys are, are kind of waiting, um, just going through, you know, treatment and meetings and getting ready. And then you would really, you know, have an intense practice or two starting – Labor Day, Labor Day Sunday, Labor Day Monday, as, as they kind of ramp into a regular season week. Well, you know, we've heard Kevin Stefanski say, and Joe Woods and, and Alex Van Pelt said it too, you know, as of five days ago, the Browns were still installing things. So this week they're getting ready for roster cuts and they're trying in practice to give those young guys that last crack at making an impression, but they're getting guys ready for week one. They're, they're getting ready for game Situations. I mean, a big part of the stadium practice was just walking through scenarios on Hail Marys and last-minute field goals and the hot potato play and, and things like that. So um, I will say this. I do not envy the decision-makers in terms of the bottom of the receiver room, which, you know, I don't know how important that will be given that Beckham and Landry are the starters, but the bottom of the DB's room, which is important because the Browns have been hit hard by injury, uh, because corner especially is a premium position to start with. You know, without live reps against other teams and, and with, 
you know, kind of the ugliness of the passing game in terms of installing and limited reps. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I only saw Garrett Gilbert, the number three quarterback, um, you know, never get more than two or three reps at a time, and that was maybe every third day. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to evaluate those guys. And for rookie free agents, and we know two of the best Browns players in the new era, Phil Dawson and Josh Cribbs, cracked this league as undrafted rookie free agents. And we know every year, just about, there's at least one um, that makes it and guys make something of themselves. Well, without the preseason and with this short amount of time, it's going to be tougher. So the onus is on the personnel departments to say, hey, we liked this guy after the draft. Um, and now if he's cut by the Patriots or the Eagles or the Seahawks or somebody's willing to trade him, you know, what can we do here? I, I think the NFL has done a nice job of, um, you know, saying we're going to expand the practice squads this year, given COVID, given the shortened time. So you'll have a chance. I mean, the Browns are going to have 16 guys on the practice squad by Monday, right? Uh, I think it will be between 10 and 12 guys that were in camp with them um, for a month. And then I think it'll be four or five external guys who they're going to take a look at. So, you know, I don't expect a big trade. Um, you know, I don't expect the Browns to trade David and Joku, and I don't expect the Browns to go out and, and get a starting safety because I think they already had their veteran safeties even before Delpit's injury. Um, but, you know, these trades that they make, and, and really they started Tuesday night this week where you see some team trades a backup offensive tackle for a backup linebacker because it's you're looking at gluts and needs and filling things. Some team trades a cornerback who wasn't going to make their team, so that cornerback, John Smith, and a seventh-round pick go to Team B for a sixth-round pick. I think you'll see the Browns involved in that as they try to shore up some things in the secondary. Now, if they think Greedy Williams is going to be back on the practice field next week, if they think Kevin Johnson is going to be cleared to play, if they think MJ Stewart is in the plans, and I, you know, I don't know that he is or isn't, even though he took the slot job as soon as uh, Kevin Johnson got hurt, then they don't necessarily need to make a move there. Um, Kevin Johnson's an important player for this team, guys. I mean. He's your starting slot corner. He's the first guy outside if you need him um, for some something else. And, and he, he can just play kind of everywhere. So, you know, they, they cut T.J. Carey um, when this new regime took over. They signed Kevin Johnson to kind of be that and, and be that guy who's ready. So if he's not, they need a veteran DB for week one. Um, we all have questions about the linebacking core, and the linebacking core is in the spotlight in week one because you play Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. So, um, you know, there's there's some tricky things here. The Browns are going to play more base defense and probably need more linebackers, including 21-year-old rookie Jacob Phillips in week one, than they're going to need to play base defense at other time. Uh, if J.C. Treader is not ready for week one, and the answer right now, 10 days from that game, is I don't know, then how could he be ready for week two when the Browns play four days later on a Thursday night against the Bengals? So, all of these things weigh in to the injury decisions, to the roster decisions, to who's available. Um, look, I think, and, and I'm writing this, I was just writing this before I sat down to record. I think they like this roster, right? Paul DePodesta's been here. Andrew Barry was only gone for like 11 months. Um, under John Dorsey, they did close the talent gap in a significant way. They drafted seven guys this year. They were aggressive in free agency. They like this team. Do they love this team? Do they think this team can win the Super Bowl? Well, they're crazy if they do, but I don't think that this is one of those years where you look at September 1st, September 5th and say, we have to go crazy. We're just not good enough. We have to go out and make this splash. Um, I think it's about developing these guys 
and the real evaluation for this Browns team for the state of the franchise going forward will come in October and November. They're behind right now, guys. They're looking to go into Baltimore and playing two 21-year-old rookie offensive linemen who never took a preseason snap out there against the Baltimore freaking Ravens. Yeah, it's a little scary. They're, they were installing as of five, six days ago, as I mentioned. That's a little scary. So, um, you know, in October and November, we'll see, I think, whatever the guys in charge think, and, and they, they are certainly the ones that count. It's not about what I think or what you think listening right now. Um, they'll have a much better feel for things, where things are, what are the groups of need, where did they hit, where did they miss. And everybody does that. Everybody hits, everybody misses, everybody whiffs, that's for sure, um, a couple of months from now. So today the Browns uh, will practice. Again, this is this is late Thursday morning, early uh Thursday afternoon, as I'm sitting here talking to you, they will practice. Um, Then they will have Friday night. It's at the stadium. It's not a scrimmage. Uh, There's no way it would be right before roster cuts. Uh, Walking through, going over those situations, just getting guys under the stadium lights, quite frankly. Uh, Elementary stuff, but but stuff that coaches want to go over. Um, Which coaches are in the box uh, for the games? Which coaches are on the sideline? Does the scoreboard work? Are we just familiar with our surroundings when we walk in there? Basic stuff here in this year. And then by Saturday at 4 o'clock, they cut. And that's not done. Um, They have to get to 53. But waiver claims don't start until Sunday. Uh, And then there's another set of waiver claims on Monday. You can't start building your practice squad until Sunday. You can't stash guys on the IR in short, short-term short IR and able to bring them back until Sunday. So you could have a guy like Mac Wilson who doesn't need surgery, and that's certainly a positive. You'll probably you'll certainly see Mac Wilson on the 53 Saturday early evening. On Sunday, will he be placed on the IR and be eligible to brought back in three weeks? Probably. I don't know that, but that creates another roster spot. Um, the Browns can call the teams I mentioned before and try to make a trade. Try to trade a guy. Uh, how does it all work out? And really, sometimes you don't know until you see the waiver wire. I mean, we all remember those years where the Browns were first on the waiver wire and they knew who they were going to get. This year, they're 10th, so they're not sure who they're going to get. Um, it's certainly safety corner for where they would take a look. Um, you know, I, the Browns certainly have some strengths on this roster. Running back comes to mind, uh, top-heavy receiver group, defensive line. But there's nowhere they really have a glut, like – I realistically don't think that some team is going to trade anything for Damian Ratley or for Rashard Higgins. Um, You know, maybe a backup corner or something like that. But I don't think anybody's lying up to say. So, you know, will they field a call for Najoku? Will they make a call about Najoku? I don't know. Harrison Bryant has been awesome. Uh, He's caught everything in camp. They've gone – the team's decision makers have gone out of their way to say he's a smart kid, he's a mature kid, he busts his butt every day. And I believe all that stuff. He's a rookie. He's skinny. He, he was catching passes at Florida Atlantic, and that's nothing like having to block Calais Campbell and Sam Hubbard and Carlos Dunlap and Chase Young <laughs> over the next few weeks. So, you know, is Harrison Bryant and Austin Hooper, is a combination of them going to push David Njoku off this roster sooner than later? Sure, but is it going to be this weekend? You know, I don't know. So um, generally what happens is they close the facility to, to the veteran players for, for a couple of days while they make these decisions, you know, the facility is already pretty locked down to start with, um, you know, kind of kind of clear things out, let everybody catch their breath after this this training camp, this preseason, the wildness, and then you get guys back in on Sunday and Monday, 
have a really extended week of practice in terms of pushing things, um, really practicing on you. And then as you get later in the week, then you get in to that game week routine of, okay, on Thursday we practice for an hour and a half and we go over this and this. On Friday we practice for an hour and 15 minutes, uh, you know, not in pads, and we walk through this situation and running the field goal team on. And, you know, who's the emergency uh, right tackle and who's the emergency third safety. You go over all of that stuff. So all that's new to the Browns and it's shortened for everybody. Um, you know, I think a big, like I said, a big picture look is this is where all this change has caught up with the Browns because they lost all of this time to COVID, you know, losing the practices, having a shortened training camp, the situations in training camp where they lost a day to the weather, where they lost a day to the false positive tests, uh, where they had a half practice because the team decided that's what they were going to do that day. Um, and you have brand new coaches and brand new schemes and brand new decision makers. So I'll just say this from a roster standpoint. Um, you know, is there a surprise move out there that we didn't talk about that's going to make you say, holy wow? Maybe. I think that's unlikely. Like I said, I would expect the Browns to be involved in a minor trade. I would expect them to be involved in one, maybe two waiver claims. But I think the roster is pretty set. And I think it's more about who can you get on your practice squad and who can you really um, kind of take a look at here as, uh, you know, you look for further options and to fortify things uh, kind of going down the road. Hey, guys, fantasy football draft season is upon us. And let's just be honest, after quarantine, it's very possible you might have Ezekiel Elliott's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Christian McCaffrey in a points per reception league. And look, guys, this is private. This is awkward. Some of us are into third grade jokes for our whole lives. Well, Manscaped will help you out. It'll make you look better down there. It'll make you feel better down there. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. That's right. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawnmower, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining, as well as some other liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant. The Crop Reviver is spray-on toner, and it's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, as well as the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off Free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Remember, 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. It's time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties with Manscaped. So, um, you know, I did my 53-man roster projection here, and... um, you know, the decision at third running back, I don't think it's a huge one, but I, I, I don't think it's an easy one. Dontrell Hilliard or Dearness Johnson. Um, you know, at wide receiver, we know who the two starters are. They're paid accordingly. They're counted on accordingly, and they're superstars. Uh, but who's behind them? You know, uh, in this Stefanski offense with a lot of deep crossing routes, you've got to have guys ready to go in the game uh, and be fresh, give those guys a rest. Um you know, we, we know Rashard Higgins has the experience edge. We think Kadero Hodge is going to make the team because of special teams. We think JoJo Natson is the kick returner. So, you know, is there room for Ratley and for Higgins? Could they possibly keep five tight ends? I don't know. 
Um, something I remember from my time working uh, in the league um, or working with the team, I should say. You know, we always would get a little nervous at this time. Um, but, like, one year we thought that Eric Mangini was going to cut Jamal Lewis. I mean, Jamal's days were, were past him. And uh, it's especially memorable and scary to me because I am one day older than Jamal Lewis. And uh, we were only 29 at the time, and, and it was time for him to be put out to pasture. But we had chosen Jamal Lewis for the week one game program, right? And we weren't sure that he was going to survive cut down weekend, and we were going to look like real dummies uh, if the game program came and, and Jamal Lewis was on it. But anyway, um, one thing I learned through that is kind of just paying attention. I, I think Stefanski's gone out of his way to plug Kaderil Hodge and um, the other night I was driving, and they had one of the team-sponsored radio shows on, and they were interviewing Kadero Hodge. And I think in the week of a cutdown, I don't think the team PR person is going to put somebody out on one of those interviews to get asked awkward questions or maybe to say something who's not really going to be in the plans. So that's just a thought. That's just something I pay attention to. Is it right? I don't know. Like I said, you know, 30% of me thinks that that we're going to get a shocking move. No, I don't think Jadavian Clowney. No, I don't think Earl Thomas. But 70% of me thinks it's going to be, you know, minor roster moves and shaping with the idea that, that the Browns like mostly like this roster and go forward. Um, I, like I said, I can't tell you what happens with Treader, and I can't tell you what happens with the corners. So um, if, if this team's going to need Sheldrick Redwine to play some safety snaps, then Sheldrick Redwine has to do it. Um, it would appear to me on what I've seen – that this team is going to trust Jacob Phillips, the young linebacker, to get in there and make plays, and, and he's going to have to do it. Uh, Jordan Elliott, the third-round defensive tackle, a really athletic, impressive-looking guy. You know, I, I don't think he's going to play a ton of snaps as long as Richardson and Ogunjobi are healthy, and both of them will look great. He's going to have to be ready to play, you know, some real snaps. Uh, the situation on the offensive line is scary. We don't know what happens with Harrison Bryant at tight end. Austin Hooper's had a great camp, guys. Um, a really good camp. Uh, really impressive. You know, I knew the stat numbers, and I knew that Austin Hooper was a guy who had, you know, been drafted out of Stanford, which has been known to not only produce tight ends, but tight ends who aren't afraid to play physical. They don't play, you know, the spread offense that, that a lot of people do. He, he followed the progression of he was quiet, and then he was contributing for a Super Bowl team, and then his stats had taken off. But I didn't know Austin Hooper was that big. And I just think the Browns look at him in a, in a tight end friendly offense as an absolute anchor. And, you know, for as up and down as the, as the passing game has been, it was clear really from, from day one um, that the quarterback trusts Austin Hooper wants to get him involved. Both running backs look great, and I expect that to be the plan in Baltimore. Uh, run the wheels off. Try to keep it close. So, um, you know, try to limit what you're really asking uh, your offense to do in terms of having a rookie look left tackle in terms of people not maybe being completely comfortable with this, the whole scheme, the whole playbook, all of that. So um, I'm not overly concerned by Miles Garrett wearing a wrist guard at practice, um, you know, but I, it, listen, if Miles Garrett is not 100%, the defense suffers. So uh, when you pay a guy that money and you know what Miles can do, you just need to get him to the game. Uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of the rub, but He'll be there when it counts. I don't think this is anything major because he wouldn't at least he wouldn't even be going through pre-practice drills. But again, we'll see. So again, thanks for listening um, to this ramble. Thanks for reading. We'll have you covered on all the moves 
um, you know, analyzing what they mean, what might be next, why the Browns did what they did, uh, who were the surprising keeps, who were the surprising cuts, things like that. And then we'll get you ready for actual football next week. So uh, I was texting with Jason last night about, you know, when we're going to set a routine, but we the plan will be for two podcasts to supplement what's already going on on the site. So thank you for listening, for reading, for tweeting, for all of that stuff. This is Civilized Barking, and we'll talk to you soon. Football is almost here. Thank you.